Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 16. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money resources page. So if you want to go to mappedoutmoney.com forward slash resources, you can check out a long list of mine and Hannah's favorite books and podcasts and blogs. And it's just another version of stuff we like. That's right. Just another version of stuff we like. But yeah, you can see all of our favorites, uh, the tools that we use, where we're learning, and uh, specifically the books, but a lot of other things on that page are affiliate links. So it's also a good way to support this show if you are at all interested in doing that. So mappedoutmoney.com forward slash resources. I was going to start this episode off by saying that we're recording it during uh, Margot's bedtime so that if we hear any snoring, that's why. But then I thought about it and every it's time it's Margot's bedtime. Yeah, Margot's bedtime. Yeah. So there's always a risk of snoring in our always. podcast episode. <laughs> always. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about home buying and we talked about kind of our process or at least what we are thinking about doing. And, and we are in the middle of experiencing that planning is everything, but plans are nothing. Plans are nothing. Yeah. So we're not going to get into the details here because we're very still, very much so still in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've suffice shifted it to say, our way of thinking yes, a little bit from yes. that last episode. And we want to be honest with you guys. So, yeah. you know, we're not going to beat around the bush. Like we've changed our minds. Some things have changed. Some thoughts have changed. And we're going to share all of that. Uh, in a future episode, once some of this gets more nailed down. Today's episode, though, we want to talk about credit scores. And the reason why is because one thing we've noticed through all of this process of looking for homes, looking at homes, uh, dealing with COVID, dealing with the mortgage sort of market right now, um, us having good credit scores has given us some immense flexibility. And so we want to talk through um, why credit scores are important, some very common myths around credit scores, and uh, a couple of things that you can do to improve your credit score if you want to do so. Yeah. And you're you're so forward thinking that from the time that I met you, this was something that you were thinking about. And especially once we got married, you were always really focused on how we could be building up our credit score in a wise way. Um, But I think a lot of people, it really never crosses their mind until they get to where they want to buy a house. Yeah. And and we've actually gotten questions like that before, you know, like, hey, we're we're looking for a home. What can I do to increase my credit? And it's like, well, it's going to take a little while. Yeah. You should have asked me that a couple of years ago. Yeah. So hopefully this episode will help you think ahead a little bit and um, just help prioritize prioritize this if it's something that you want to prioritize in order to give yourself some future flexibility, even if you're not even sure you'll need it right now. Yeah. So I think that leads us, you know, right into kind of the first myth as far as why would you prioritize this? So uh, myth number one, when it comes to your credit score is that your credit score is an I love debt score, or that you know, basically it's not important. Or that it's almost like irresponsible to be concerned about your credit score. Yeah. It means that you use a lot of debt or you want to use a lot of debt or you aren't focused on paying off debt or something like that if you are pursuing having a credit score. And the main financial guru who probably a lot of people <laughs> sure. have heard say this, we actually, we really like him and like yeah. a lot of what he yes. has to say. But in our life, we have found a good credit score to be 
really powerful time and time again. Yes. Um, so even from when we were in apartments and renting, um, it was helpful as far as um, when we were being screened as renters, they often checked our credit score. And then also we were able to get several different fees waived. Yeah, we got our utilities waived at a couple different apartment complexes because yeah. of our credit score. And I know like one fee in particular, we had like a $300 fee yep, that right. was waived because we both had good credit scores. So it does come in handy even just for those smaller We also things. got, um, a couple of years ago, we got our insurance rates, our car insurance rates dropped because of our credit score. Yeah. So, uh, you know, basically taking out debt, taking out loans, that's not the only reason that you would want to have a pretty decent credit score. It can come in handy in some other areas of your life, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you are a renter. That being said, it's not the most important right. thing. That's like that's like saying that BMI is, you know, is the, the most, most important. important measure of health or something. But it is an important factor. It's an important factor and it's more than anything else, one of the big themes we talk about a lot on this podcast is flexibility. And if you have a good credit score, it gives you flexibility and it helps you keep your options open down the road, which is really the main kind of my main argument for why you should spend a little bit of time focusing on it. And before we move on to number the the second myth, number two, uh, <laughs> I, the other point I want to drive home here is what we talk about in questioning everything. So and making a conscious decision. So if you decide that you don't want to live your your life trying to build up a credit score, that's totally okay. Totally. Just understand what that means and don't just do it because somebody else told you that that's that's what people who are smart with money do. And on the, you know, the opposite side of that, don't start trying to build your credit score just because we say it's just helpful. Because we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Go look into it and figure out for yourself and make that decision consciously for yourself. No, I think that I think that's perfect. It's um, a constant assessment of what makes sense for you. Yep. So the second myth is that there's only one credit score or that when we say your credit score, there's like this one score that is yours. And that's just not at all the case. I never knew anything about this until you talked about it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So most people have heard of the FICO score, which is what we are going to be talking about in this episode. But there's actually another score called the um, Vantage score that some companies will use to look at. What's crazy, though, about the FICO score is that even kind of underneath or embedded in the FICO score, there's like 40-something other scores depending on the industry. And that can depend on um, the industry that you are looking to buy in or borrow in. It can also look and depend on uh, some other factors as far as like your employment, like whether you're self-employed or whether you have a job in a certain industry. And so if you're looking to get a loan for a car or a loan for a house or a personal loan for an RV or a new credit card, the lender is actually going to get a different score back from FICO based on the industry that you're trying to get a loan for. And so if you have a bunch of credit cards and you've always you know, handled those really responsibly and you have a good FICO score and then you apply for another credit card, it's probably going to be pretty easy. Whereas if it's the very first time you've applied for something like a car loan or a mortgage, just because you have an amazing credit card FICO score doesn't mean that you're going to have the most amazing mortgage FICO score. And just to share like a little bit of our own experience of this from however many years ago it was that we bought the Airstream, um, this is a situation that we found ourselves in because we had been very conscious about 
uh, purchasing cars with cash. Yep. And we didn't have any loans. We didn't have any student loans. We literally just had credit cards and that we paid off every month. And we had great credit scores in terms of like when you check it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a really good score. Yeah. But it was difficult for us to get a loan to buy the Airstream because we didn't have any history with that type of loan. Or really anything outside of credit cards. Yeah. But there's always ways to work Within the system, I feel like. So the situation that we found ourselves in was just needing a co-signer on the Airstream. And like, you know. And it was no problem. Yeah, our parents were totally fine with that. They knew us. They trusted us. They knew how we handled money. And, you know, that was that. But we we did find ourselves in that situation. Yeah, we ended up doing a co-signer for the Airstream loan. uh, And then we basically prioritized paying that down very quickly, which Mm -hmm. then boosted our scores a lot better over the next few years, which has put us into uh, a good position at this point to go looking for a mortgage. Yeah. But all that being said, we definitely did not regret our decision to buy cars with cash instead no, of having totally. car loans. So we're going to, we'll, we'll kind of touch on that point later, but I did just want to share share that personal story. So back to this sort of credit score, credit report thing. So there's, there's lots of different credit scores out there, and there's actually three different companies that handle your credit report, which is different than a credit score. Your score's a number. Your report's like this long thing that shows all of your credit use history. And the three bureaus are Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. You're probably familiar with uh, Equifax from the breach a couple of years ago that was all over the news. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite the mess. So those three companies They're the people who basically handle tracking all this and giving you a score. And so when you go and apply for debt, apply for a loan, um, the lender is going to check with one of these three companies. And if it's a really big loan, like a mortgage, they're probably going to check with all three. One of the biggest sort of habits I would encourage you to get into is checking your free annual credit report uh, from each of these three companies um, once a year. It's just a good habit to get into to request your free credit report and check and make sure that there's no errors. Because as crazy as it sounds, you would think like, how in the world could they like mix me up with somebody else? But it happens. And so unfortunately, sometimes things can show up there that aren't yours or something's missing. So it's always a good idea to sort of check those regularly. Just make sure there's no errors. If you look and check your credit uh, score and your score is like not at all what you would kind of expect it to be, the first thing you want to do is get your reports and see if there's an error because it can totally happen. This is like, in my opinion, it's kind of all confusing, right? There's a bunch of different scores out there. There's three different reports. The big takeaway that I want you to have from this second myth is although there's a lot of moving parts, all that really matters is having a basic understanding of how the FICO score works. And if you focus on just making sure that you're doing the right things for that main FICO score, everything else is probably going to be just fine. There's a Margo snore for you. So what's the best way to monitor your FICO score? I think as far as monitoring it, you can use a free service. And and we're not endorsed. I don't even have affiliate links for these, but like Credit Sesame or Credit Karma, um, both of those are free services to monitor. They don't give you the exact FICO score. They give you another score that's similar to the FICO score, but it's close. I'll tell you, though, my favorite way to do it, which we'll probably get into later, is to actually have uh, a a credit card that Mm -hmm. offers that as a perk. And so Hannah and I both have a Discover card and a Chase Freedom, actually, that both give you a free, updated, legit 
FICO score every single month with your statement. Uh, and a lot of credit cards are doing that these days. And so that's kind of my favorite way because you're already going to be looking for a credit card anyways. May as well get one that has that perk. But just to clarify, you're saying that you should have a credit card where you can keep an eye on it that way. And then also once a year, you should try to get a credit report. That's right. From either Experian, TransUnion, or Equifax? Yeah, I would do all three, actually. Okay. um, Look at all three, download them, throw them into a file somewhere. Um, You can get one from each bureau per year. Okay, for free? For free, yeah. So you just, I mean, you can go to, you know freecreditreport.com. Wasn't that like the jingle that was yeah. going around a couple of years ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can just Google like free annual credit report. It'll come right up. Um, but don't, you know, you should not have to pay for this. So don't input a credit card number. Don't like if you <laughs> if you land on a website that's asking you for money, you're on the wrong website. If anybody's going to give you their inheritance from their Syrian uncle. Yes. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. Okay. So that's myth number two. Uh, myth number three is that checking your credit hurts your score. And this is really common. Uh, and and it's common because it's got a little bit of truth in it, right? And so all the best sort of lies have a little bit of truth. There's actually two different types of ways to check your credit. There's what's called a soft pull, and then there's a hard pull. And a hard pull does impact your credit score. And a hard pull is when you actually go and apply for a loan. So you're applying for an auto loan, you're applying for a mortgage, you're applying for a new credit card. You've taken action to say, hey, I'd like to take on a loan to do XYZ thing. In order to see if you're approved for that loan, the lender will check your credit. That's a hard pull, and that will show up on your report, and it will cause your score to go down by like 5 to 10 points for a few months. And if you go out and apply for a bunch of loans, as you'll see later on, that can tank your score for a while. So you don't really want to do that. Now, that being said, there's also a soft pull, which is where if you're just going out and using one of the services to get your credit score, or you're like using, like we just talked about, the credit cards that give you a score for free every month, all that stuff is considered a soft pull, where it's just checking your score for your own personal reasons, and that does not affect your credit. The big kind of takeaway with this one is that if you're ever doing anything, uh, looking at an apartment, um, having to call your credit card company for something, looking to get approved for anything, if somebody says, hey, is it okay if we check your credit? Your first question should be, is it going to be a soft or a hard pull? If it's going to be a hard pull and affect your credit, um, you need to decide whether or not you want to do that. And like I said, if you're applying for a loan, that's going to be what you have to do. But for a lot of other things, if they respond, they should only make it a soft pull. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does. Okay. So the way that this has kind of come into play for us the past couple of years is we knew kind of in general, we're going to be looking to get a mortgage at some time, possibly soon-ish. Yes. Didn't have a real definite timeline. And then there were like a couple of store credit cards that kind of made sense for us to get based on like our, our recurring spending there and then like their point systems. And we kind of looked at them and decided, let's hold off on those once once we're kind of more settled and, and don't have like a mortgage looming. Looming. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Then we'll revisit those. So we've we've definitely been very conscious and we haven't signed up for like any really good bonus points or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. That's kind of been off the table for 
probably past year and a half or so, At really. Least almost two years. Yeah. yeah. So a couple, a few years back, we were signing up for new credit cards to get points and uh, do sign up bonuses and all kinds of stuff like that. That's that's a that's a whole different episode for a different day. But <laughs> um, but yeah, because we knew this was coming, we stopped. Yeah. You know, and so same kind of you know to to you listening, if you think that you're going to be applying for a big loan at any point in the next six to eighteen months. Don't apply for anything. <laughs> yeah, re- resist the temptation to apply for those those little credit cards. That's and right. Stuff. That's right. Okay, so are you ready to go to number four? Yeah, yeah, we'll do number four. All right. Myth number four is that you shouldn't pay your card in full because it hurts your credit score. Yeah. So this one, uh, another one that kind of goes along with this, right? Is basically uh, you need to carry debt to build a good score. I didn't know that anybody thought this. Are you serious? Yeah. I see this question all the time. Well, I know you told me that it's something that like people bring to you all as a the concern time. a lot, but I I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's um, and it's really sad because to me this this is like when I get up on my soapbox <laughs> because like this is one of those things where the financial services industry makes money on people's confusion. That's why credit cards in and of themselves are so stinking hard to understand is because they make money when you're confused by how the product works. You know, if you can perpetuate a myth that, oh, you shouldn't pay your card off in full, you should carry a small balance because that actually helps your credit score, then of course, like that just gives them interest, Yeah, which is just crazy. Yeah. And then it's a real slippery slope too. It's a real slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. To kind of knock down this myth, uh, I think I think now is a good time. We can probably just dive deeper into how the FICO score is actually calculated because then it will explain why this myth is just not true. So first off, what's the range of a FICO score? I should have made this a quiz for you. You should make it a quiz. I know. You want me to make it a quiz? Okay, sure. Okay, take it down. Okay. I'm not looking. Okay. So what would a very poor score be? Okay, so first off, the range is from 300 to 850. I know that. Yeah, the total range. Total range. Mm-hmm. A very poor score is going to be anything under 600, I believe, right? Three to 600? Mm, you're pretty close. It's 300 to 579. Okay, that was close. Okay, so what about a fair? <sighs> this one's tougher. Okay, so if the if the next one's 579, it's going to be like 580 to 650. Ooh, close again. 669. Okay, 669. Okay, so then a good credit score is? Uh, 670 mm-hmm. to... We're getting high, 670 to 740. Oh, you're real close on this one. You're getting better, 739. Oh, I just, I okay, I, I just didn't yeah. increase a point. Okay. So then very good is? 740 to 799. Yeah, and then exceptional is 800, 800 to 850. 850. Yep, perfect. And and really, um, that's from Experian, right? Yeah, we I, I found that as long as you're above 720, for the most part, you're pretty much going to get the lowest uh, interest rates out there, more or less. Um, again, depending on like, have you applied? Is this your first time applying for a mortgage or this type of debt? You know that kind of thing. But generally speaking, as long as you're above seven twenty, you're, you're gonna be pretty good solid. Shape. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, of course, you know, the closer you get to eight hundred, the easier it gets, especially in times of you know COVID. So that's our range. So let's talk about how this thing gets calculated. The first and most important factor. So there's there's five factors. And we got a lot of numbers in this episode, but there's five factors in the FICO score. Five FICO. Keep that in mind. FICO five. There's five factors. The first one is called payment history. And, you know, in layman's terms, it's basically don't miss your payments. Are you paying on time? Are you paying what they ask you to? At least the minimum payment that's due. As long as you're making at least the minimum payment, 
and you're never late, then you're like perfect. And this makes up 35% of your score. So it's a huge chunk. And if you can just do this one thing, you're already going to be like in a good position for having a really great credit score. Yeah. And this is part of why we love budgeting and that's right organizing and having everything in one place and and all that stuff it doesn't get away from you and you know what's due when and you don't accidentally miss things that's right and and it's important to say too like we're not at all perfect like i know that we have a podcast about finance so it sounds ridiculous when i tell you that we've missed payments before on credit cards and stuff uh but i have and even even like maybe six months ago so I bought gas and mm-hmm. I thought that I put it on my Discover card because I have two credit cards that look very similar. They both have like an orange edge and they're both gray. So I thought I was putting it on my Discover card, which is what I always put it on. But it was actually on this other card. And so when I entered it in YNAB, it was on the Discover card. And the other card is one that we like never, never use. Yeah. So Nick got this notification of like a missing payment. And he's like, what in the world? What'd you use this card for? And I was like, I didn't use it for anything. <laughs> so at first we thought it was like fraud. And then we were like, oh, wait a minute. No, nope. I put that charge in on the Discover and it was not on the Discover. But so. what's, what's nice though, is that if you can get in the habit of making your payments regularly and the the lender sees that that's a thing, if you do miss one, don't just give up defeated and like pay the late fee and go like, oh, okay, um, call them. And so we've actually, I that one and then I did one a couple of years ago. So I know at least twice we've made late payments and uh, both times I've been able to call them and I've gotten the late fee waived and I've gotten them to remove the late fee or the late payment from our credit report. Yeah. So it didn't show up at all. Um, so pick up the phone call them and say, you know, that's when you reference like, hey, I've actually been, you know, I've been a customer of you guys for five years and I really like, you know, you you really lay it on, you know, <laughs> uh, I really like you guys. Like, I just, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. You know, all that kind of thing. And uh, most of the time they're, they're pretty good. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. But it, it is, all of this stuff works together. So it does. YNAB does help you do that check. Oh, and yeah. And like catch things too, yes. hopefully before the the credit card would catch it. That's right. So So 35% on payment history. Now, the next one, this is the one that started this myth. Okay, so this one is 30% of your credit score, and it's called amounts owed. And so, again, in in layman's terms, this is basically the amount of debt that you owe versus the amount that you have available to you. So with credit cards, for example, every single credit card has a credit limit. Right. This is the amount of money that you can charge to that card. When you're brand new, uh, it's probably going to be really low, like a 500 or 700 or $1,000. And you cannot charge more to that card than $1,000. Now, let's do some math here, some basic math. If you have a $1,000 limit on your credit card and then you charge $500 to that card and that's the balance, then you have a 50% credit utilization ratio, credit utilization ratio, that, that's that's the term. So 500 over 1,000, right? So if you added up all your cards and you had, you know, 1,000 on this card and 500 on that card and 1,000 on another card, and then you owe, add up all those, and you just compare how much do you owe to how much you can charge. That's your utilization ratio. All that to say, you want to keep that number low. That's kind of the big takeaway from this amounts owed. And and this is why this one is so confusing and, and does perpetuate that myth. Because it does seem like 
you should have a utilization ratio. You don't want it to be zero, right? That's not good. But you want to keep it low. So does that mean we should always kind of hold a balance and just kind of keep it low on the card? And the answer is no. What you want to do is keep a low utilization ratio, but that doesn't mean you can't pay it off every single month, which is exactly what we do. Yeah. And I mean, when we first got married in our our credit overall credit limit was a lot lower than it is now you would get on all the time and pay it down to keep us under that 10 percent. that's right yeah yeah so i think you know you'll hear people say okay what number what utilization ratio should i aim for and you'll hear 10 percent. you'll hear 30 percent. you might even hear some higher than that um it's no one has a magic number that they've heard of but uh lower is better i've personally just always aimed for under 10 percent. and to your point When you have a really low limit, that to me just meant, okay, well, I'm just going to log on every single week and pay the card down so that that way our average utilization is is really low. Now, one little pro tip here, and this, this, uh, I need like a disclaimer here. This is, this is like, you've got to be really disciplined and you need to feel very confident that you're not going to uh, be tempted to use the credit card uh, and, and rack up your spending. But if you can, if you're using YNAB, if you're using a budgeting tool, if you're never putting more on the card than you can pay off and can afford, then a kind of pro tip to help you out here is to call the credit card company regularly and ask them for a credit limit increase. Now, that's probably not going to work all that great right now during COVID uh, because (laughs) banks and credit card companies are actually just slashing limits right now. Um, But pre-COVID and hopefully after I got into a habit, um, especially early in our marriage, where every six to nine months, I would call pretty much every credit card company, and I would do it all on one day because they because <laughs> they're you do it all on one day because they're all going to check your credit. So you, you just want it to show up at the exact same time so that it's uh, it doesn't have time to get shown on the reports that they checked your credit. Mm-hmm. So you call the company, and uh, I learned this from Ramit Sethi's book. I will teach you to be rich. He actually has like a word for word script that you can use when you call the company. I remember when you first read that book and you were like, oh man, I've got to start doing this. It was this. awesome. And it worked like a charm. Like seriously, I actually, we did a video on YouTube where I called Discover and I got a credit limit increase. He says we, he means he did a video. Well, anyway, it's on our YouTube channel uh, where I called Discover and got one, you know, live in that video. But yeah. you just call and you say, hey, like I'm, you know, a great user. Like I love Discover. Uh, I'm, you know, and I'm just looking to increase my credit limit, you know, because I've got either whatever expenses coming up or you just say, you can just straight up say, I'd like to decrease my utilization ratio. And basically they'll check your credit, see if you apply and uh, boom, increase. And so obviously if you understand fractions in math, the larger your denominator, which is that credit limit, the lower the overall utilization ratio, which will Absolutely help your score. Take me back to middle school math there. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So the two main factors, again, we'll try not to get too in the weeds here, but the two main factors that make up your score are make on-time payments, keep your utilization low. If you do those two things, that's 65% of your score alone and will make a huge difference. All right. Are we ready for number five? Yeah. Number five. Let's do it. So myth number five is that closing an account always helps your score or it always hurts your score. Yeah, this is one, again, I've heard people say both like, oh, you should never close an account because that'll hurt your score. Or I've heard people say, oh, you need to close accounts. That'll make it look good. Like, yeah, you closed it. <laughs> you don't have that debt anymore. And the, the truth is, like most things, the answer is 
It depends. It depends. I think to, again, explain why this myth is the way that it is, now it makes sense to talk about the other factors of your FICO score. So we mentioned how there's five factors of your FICO score. We've already covered two. The next one is the length of credit history. Basically, uh, what's the average age of your credit history? If you've only had a credit card for a year, and that's the only type of debt you've ever owed, you've got a really low account age. Whereas now we're uh, quickly approaching, I'm almost approaching 10 years since I got my first credit card. And so my average age of account is getting older. And um, basically just the longer your average age is, the better. But like this is where this myth comes into play, right? Because if you close an account, let's say that has a really, really old, it's been around for a long time, then yeah, that could negatively impact your score because it's going to make your average age of accounts much younger if you close your oldest credit card. At the same time, if you close like the one you most recently got, that could make your average age of accounts older, which would actually help your score. And so that's where it's like, it it depends. This was another one that I had no idea about. Like years ago, when you first started getting into like talking about credit scores and everything, and you told me that this was a factor, literally had no idea. I think that's true for most people. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know until I read it. And I think so many people choose their first credit card, like not knowing that. So I think, you know, kind of the, the pro tip here would be, if you are, like if you're really young right now, or maybe you even have kids who are going to be getting a first credit card soon, uh, the big takeaway is choose a credit card at first that doesn't have an annual fee and is kind of with a big company so that you feel confident that uh, you don't really ever want to close it. The other thing I would say as far as keeping old accounts is uh, one thing we do is to keep old accounts relevant, which just help us out, is we'll set up uh, a small recurring charge and then set it to auto pay. Yeah. So like we've got a Discover Miles card that we haven't used in years for anything other than we charge Netflix to that every month on auto pay and it's set up to auto pay from our bank account in full. And so that card's like in a drawer. I never think about it. It pays itself off and it charges Netflix and it just helps our credit score. Okay, so the last two factors for your FICO score are both small. These are both 10%. Uh, one is new credit, which basically just means... Do you have a lot of new accounts? If you have a whole bunch of new accounts, that's not good. And then the other one is credit mix, which is um, do you have multiple types of debt? Auto loans, student loans, personal loans, credit cards, mortgages. The more variety you have, uh, the better and the more it will help your score. Again, though, keep in mind, some people will use this as an excuse of like, ooh, I could pay for this car in cash, but I'm going to take a loan because this is going to help my score. It's like, no. Yeah, we would, <laughs> like, we would never recommend doing no. that. Like in in that case, like we said, you know, it, it came down to, okay, we just need a co-signer on here. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like the, the thing to keep in mind is the credit mix it only makes up 10% of your score. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a relatively small thing and, and you don't want to go into debt as a, as the main justification being it'll help your credit score out. Yeah. It's a relatively small thing. I think the bottom line when it comes to the factors, right, these five factors, you've got payment history, amounts owed, length or average age of accounts, new credit and credit mix. It all feels really complicated. It all feels really complicated. But don't overcomplicate the way you think about improving your credit score because it's really not that hard. That's right. That's right. It's there. If you can just boil it down and keep in mind, make on-time payments, 
keep your utilization ratio low, and try to age your account history by not closing super old accounts. That's going to be 80% of your credit score. Yeah. You do those three things, you're going to be off to the races. And I think, too, you know, they're not all totally intuitive, but when you hear something that sounds like it just doesn't make sense, like even the, oh, you shouldn't pay off your credit card. Yes. Uh, you know, that'll bring your score down and you're kind of like, well, that, that just doesn't seem that right. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, there might be a reason. Red flag. <laughs> yeah. So whenever you hear anything like that, especially in finances, look into it. Yeah. No, I think that's important. I, I think I think you make a, a really good point of saying anything that you deem sort of wise financial behavior, you just kind of do that. Your credit score should follow. So that brings us to myth number six, which is that there's a quick fix if you have bad credit and there's lots of companies out there that you can pay them lots of money and they will tell you that they can fix your bad credit just like that uh and the truth is just like a magic dieting pill or you know some magic uh get rich quick thing there's no magic pill there's no magic bullet there's no magic program it's just good old-fashioned patience and kind of following the path right doing everything else we kind of already laid out it, but but if you have if you do have bad credit and, and you are looking to sort of improve that, um, the, kind of a couple tips we would have for you. The, the first one, circling back to what we talked about earlier, would be get your credit report. Make sure there's no errors. If you've got bad credit, always make sure that at least you have bad credit. <laughs> make sure it's your bad because credit. it's yours. <laughs> make sure that it's not somebody else's. The next thing is again just thinking through making on time payments, utilization low and age of accounts, the first thing you want to do is make sure you're paying on time. If you've got delinquent bills, that needs to be your first priority. Go back to those lenders. Give them a call. Explain your situation. Hey, I got laid off because of COVID. Hey, this you know terrible life thing happened in our medical, and now we have this crazy medical debt. Like, Call them. Be human and ask them for extensions. Ask them to, to see what they can do. They're, they're willing to work with you a lot of the time if you are basically willing to to work with them and say like, hey, I do want to pay this off. I, I do want to um, to make this right, but I just need I just need you to work with me. That would be kind of the, the biggest thing there. Um, the other option that you have, especially if you have really low credit or you're recovering, uh, one good option is to get a secured credit card, which is basically where you put up the money for the credit limit. So you would like give them $500 in cash or obviously in a check or whatever. And then your credit limit on that card is up to $500, but it's basically against your own money. And it's a good way to build credit and build a reputation uh, where the bank has no risk because it's your money in the first place. And that's a great way. You can do that for six to 12 months, and then you can eventually get your money back and go get a, uh, a different credit card um, that's more of a traditional credit card. The bottom line is there's no quick fix. There's no magic pill. There's no anything like that. You got to be patient. All right. Are we to number seven? We are. We're already at number seven. So number seven is that credit scores are the most important factor of your financial health. This is a myth. And it goes back to the first one, right? Just at the same way that credit scores are, you know, not this sort of I love debt score and it means that you are financially irresponsible if you like credit scores. In the same way, they're not like the saving grace either. Yeah, they're not the end all be all. That's right. They're just a number. It's not a picture of your overall financial health. If you have a low credit score, it doesn't mean you're a bad person or terrible with money. Uh, if you have a really great credit score, it doesn't mean you're amazing. Um, it's just a number. And all we're really trying to get you to do is 
learn how to build a couple of good habits that can get you a good credit score down the road so that you have greater flexibility when you're looking to utilize debt. That's it. Yeah. And we just want you to be informed and to think about it in that way of whether or not it's something that you need to be focused on improving. So, yeah. So don't put too much weight in them, uh, but don't dismiss them completely. The dichotomy, as Jocko would say. Yeah. And if you do choose to dismiss it completely, just understand what what yeah, that just means. understand what that means. You're yeah. you're going to need to be a lot more patient, probably, uh, in terms of like buying a house, and you're going to need a lot more cash. Okay, so those are our seven myths. Before we wrap up this episode, though, we need to do our stuff we like. Stuff we like. What a boring intro to it. I'm so disappointed in you. All right, Nick, even though you did a really boring intro into the stuff we like today, and it was not the artistic display that you normally grace us with, <laughs> I'm going to let it slide. I know. So, I didn't tie it in as well today. I know you didn't. Very disappointing. But anyways, what stuff are you liking this week? This week, I'm really liking David Perel. And I told myself I was going to Google his last name and learn how to say it before this episode, and then I didn't. So I don't know if it's Perel or Peril. Well, now that like we're in COVID and everything, all I can see is Purell. Pure. <laughs> There's only like one letter difference. Yeah, yeah Google David Purell. No, yeah. <laughs> David Peril or Perel. I'm not sure. P-E-R-E-L-L. Anyways, so this guy, uh, he's he's young, super young. He's in his 20s. Um, he writes about like entrepreneurship and tech and um, the stock market and money and education and it's kind of this hodgepodge of topics that I'm very interested in. And he is super compelling. Like, he just writes very simply, very easy to understand. He's made Nick want to become a writer. He's all of made a me want to write, uh, which I historically don't like doing. But I've really just enjoyed reading his stuff. Uh, two articles in particular that I've really enjoyed lately. Uh, one is called College Students Don't Go to School This Fall. And his basic premise is don't pay $30,000 a semester for Zoom classes. Go spend that time developing another skill, starting a business, doing something else, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And then another one that I loved is he had this recent one called 50 Ideas That Changed His Life. And I'll just tease the first one that I really liked, which was inversion. Uh, and I'll read it here. He says, avoiding stupidity is easier than trying to be brilliant. Instead of asking, how can I help my company? You should ask, what's hurting my company the most, and how can I avoid it? Identify obvious failure points and steer clear of them. I like this, too, because it it totally comes full circle, because that's basically what we've been saying with the credit score. It is. That's exactly yeah. right. It's not like, how can I improve my credit score? It's, how can I just avoid doing things that will hurt my credit score? Yeah, which ends up being pretty common sense stuff. That's exactly right. So, uh, big fan, 50 ideas that changed his life. David Peril. Well, you want to give us a little wrap up? Sure, we'll wrap it up. So I think the big takeaway with all these different myths, if you could just boil it down to three little things, make on-time payments, keep your utilization ratio low, and try to keep your average age of accounts long, which really just means be patient. If you can do those, those three things, that's 80% of your credit score, and just give it time. And you're going to have a really, really good credit score, uh, which will hopefully offer you a lot of flexibility down the road. And I think I will throw like the key points of this information into a PDF. Okay. Um, and have that for download. So where do we want to put that for people to download? So if you just go to mappedoutmoney.com forward slash 016 
for the 16th episode, um, you can download the PDF or you can just click the link there in the description and your podcast player should be right there as well. All right. Are we done? We're done. So thank you all so much for listening. We really, really, really appreciate it. And maybe we'll have more to share with you next time about the house stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Thanks so much. And we'll see y'all later.